Hello, Salon Sleuth fans. My name is Melissa and my co-host is Leslie. We decided we wanted to share our salon stories. We both have an interest in crime stories and a fascination with the psychic world. So settle in each week as we share another story with you. Who knows, you might even learn something. Okay. Hello, Salon Sleuth fans. It's Leslie and I again, back for another week. And we wanted to do a quick shout out to our best patron fans, the Warther family. And we want to encourage everyone to um, support us because without that, we really can't keep doing this for too much longer. But we love bringing you stories every week and we want to continue doing that. So please go to our patron account or our website to get to the link and consider giving us a donation so that we can keep doing this every week. Right, Leslie? Yes, that's right. All right, good. Well, thank you everyone for being back this week. Uh, we are starting to get opened here in Portland, Oregon, actually in Tualatin. Portland has really technically been um, way late again. They don't get to open, but we, we have opened here in the burbs. And so Leslie has actually been back in her salon for a week. So we can- Two weeks. Two weeks. Oh my gosh. It's been two weeks. I just You're finished right. my two weeks. You're right because I see you again on Monday. Oh my gosh. I know. Two times already. Yeah. I actually, strangely uh, for everyone, thought, okay, well, Leslie's going to be slammed, so I'm not going to make an appointment. And I was talking to her like, I don't know, Sunday or Monday. And she's like, I actually have an uh, available spot. Somebody canceled. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'll come in. So um, we were in the salon together for the first time in, I don't know, months. Yeah. Yeah, it's which weird was, working alone, which is yeah. it's nice and weird at the same time. I'd like to be able to control how clean the salon is, and I don't have to worry about other people. Um, so it is nice, but then I don't have the you know the salon talk that you get when you have multiple people working together. Yeah, yeah, and you know that's one of the things that probably has not been very evident as we've been in lockdown COVID. Like, why are we called the salon sleuths? Because the conversations that happen in salons is so interesting. I mean, it just runs really the gamut, doesn't it, Leslie? It does. And especially with me, and I have a certain interest, I seem to have collected those types of clients that have the similar thoughts that I do when it comes to certain subjects, which would be like paranormal and missing persons. And so I feel like anybody who um, has come to me on a regular basis knows that about me and we can have those conversations, which um, it just sparks like new ideas, new subjects, new, um, and even they come to me with stories personally that we'd like to share those things. So, well, and I think the other ones just think you're a wackadoo and they just go away. It's true. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> 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 my family thinks I'm a wackadoo with all this, yeah. this conversation sometimes, but I don't care. I just keep throwing it out there. And you know, the funny part is, is that, you know, the first, when we first started doing this, it was so exciting and we always had these cool topics and I still feel excitement about our topics. And so at dinner time, you know, we were starting the COVID and we were all sitting down for dinner and the kids were home. You know, I were, my husband and I are really empty nesters with kids at college, but they were home. And so we, we, I'd say, Oh, you know, on my podcast, blah, blah, blah. So now the joke is, Oh, you have a podcast. So <laughs> that's actually, I know fun. I have to, I have to like reel it in a little bit when I like to talk about that because it's either like an eye roll or you have a what, like, what is that? <laughs> like, I, and some of my clients are a little older, so they don't know what a podcast is. Like, 
how can I watch it? How can I, you know? And yeah. so it, I, you kind of have to explain it and it's just kind of funny. I but have one client, she's no kidding in her. I think she's, uh, I hate to say, I think she's 80 and um, I've had her for a long time. And I think of her as like, like just like a girlfriend, like there's no age gap between us. And I have asked her and talked to her about the things that I would talk about with like you, um, because I just don't feel the age difference between us at all. And um, she sometimes will come to me with problems with her iPhone and I have to kind of help her through it. But apparently I think she found the podcast because she mentioned, oh, that she's friends and had seen Suzanne Jockis. Oh. Which I think the only way she would have really known that is if she had either gone to the Facebook page or had gone to that. So to right. the podcast itself. So I was like, oh, so she might have found it. That was Yay. I thought that I was proud of her. <laughs> well, she was in right before my appointment last week. Oh, yeah, maybe. She's really um, amazing. She's really fun. I think her birthday is 4th of July. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. She's spunky. Yeah. Like yeah. you would never know it. Well, like you, I just don't even, when I talk to her, I don't think of her as being in her eighties. Well, you know, I think that, it, I don't know if you and I have had this conversation on air, but I, um, really connect well with people who are th authentic and yeah. I have found that it does not matter what age you are because yeah. I have some older clients as well as younger clients, but I really connect with people that are authentic and it sounds like you have those conversations with her that are just authentic, that everyone in the human race shares um, some basic, you know, some basic things, wanting to be loved, love, sex, um, you know, all those fun things that we all have those in common. And if you can authentically talk about them, it's fun. Do you think that people that are fake, do they, do they know that they're fake? I mean, some people probably do, but do you think people have faked it for so long? They really don't know who they are. You know, I don't know. Like, the they really that. enjoy and what they're really passionate about because everything that is important to them is actually belongs to somebody else. So do they recognize that or do they, so or is I that just who call, they are? I wouldn't call it fake. I don't okay. think that they're being fake. I think they're afraid. I think it is fear-based that they can't be themselves or they can't say their true opinions. Yeah. I mean, I've seen that in this political environment where, you know, prior to our current president winning, um, those people that supported him were really quiet. And then once he, you know, was elected, they were extremely vocal about their support of him. And now, you know, there's this, people call it a, you know, a country divided. Well, I don't actually think that he, he's, well, I do think he's made us more divided, but um, I think he's given voice to a lot of people who didn't think they had or could talk about that stuff. So I think that's really similar um, with people that can't be authentic, they're afraid to speak their minds. And for whatever reason, I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And you and I are, we're just sort of out there. We're like, eh, like, like us or not. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're crazy. We know it. And we're going to let you know about it. I think we're crazy. Not like in a scary, like, ah, 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 kill, kill way. Right. But no, we're like, no, we're just, um, we like to have our own opinions and we're, we share them. I mean, cause Brandy calls me crazy and I'm like, 
what does she mean by it? But she's like a good crazy. And I'm like, I hope you mean that. <laughs> you know what? I, I actually think that it is a good crazy and, and crazy is the wrong word. We like to learn about things we don't understand. And we like to be open-minded about things and we like to explore them. Which, by the way, if you would like to be on our Suzanne Jockis, and if you don't know who she is, she is a local psychic who will take calls the first Monday of the month at one o'clock. We do record, um, sorry, we record the first Monday of the month at one o'clock. It will be on the following Tuesday episode. Um, but she will take up to seven callers. You can ask one to two very specific questions. And in order to get on that list, you need to go to our website and there is a link to be added to our, it's a link to sign up genius. And then um, there's spots on there. So please um, sign up now if you want to be on one of our episodes. Yeah, that would be very helpful. I have some stories for you. Tell me. Okay. Have you heard, and I think we might have mentioned this, so I think we've talked about it, the bridge where dogs just randomly jump off to their death or to their extreme injury? Well, we mentioned it. I've heard about it, but I have not researched any of it. So I'm really curious what you're going to say. Okay. So I had never heard of this, but again, one of those nightly dinners where, you know, oh, you have a podcast to my family. My son says, well, <laughs> have you done a show on this bridge where dogs just, actually, he said deer. That was the funny part. Deer just jump off this bridge. Yeah. Where die. is this bridge, Melissa? Okay. So we'll talk about the deer thing. A yeah. Little, okay. Little bit, because the deer thing seems to be like all over the place and all sorts of, of bridges because deer just like leap over things. And when cars come deer in the headlights, they just leap. So that's, that's like completely different. This dog <laughs> bridge is totally different. Okay. Overton, Scotland, there is a bridge and it is a, uh, like concrete, st not concrete. It's stone, right? It's a very old bridge. You Over know what it reminds me of that picture? It reminds me of the suicide bridge here in Portland. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Like it's all like, um, the rails are all, it's all cement. Yes. It, and yes. It, it probably little archways in between the, the little pillars and stuff. Yes. Yes. Very mm -hmm. elaborate. And, and, you know, definitely what you think of in Europe, um, this is obviously Scotland, but um, yeah, very, very pulpits kind of kind of thing. Anyways, right next to the bridge is also a castle. And it it is the story is told that Lady Overton lived in this castle. And so the house really looks out on to this bridge. And over the past 70 years, okay, 70 years, 600 dogs have leapt off this bridge. Whoa. Yeah. 50 of those dogs have died. Okay. Not so there's all of them. So how, how high is this bridge? Um, It's about 70 feet, as I recall. And some dogs have it lived? Yes. Yes. After they've jumping 70 feet? They've Are been they flying fingers? off the bridge? Um, No, they just, they just jump off the bridge. What's below the bridge? Trees? Okay, so below the bridge is like a little stream. It's not like a river. To me, I would consider it a little stream. 
but there's also like brush or, you know, brush and, um, because it's not very big, but the brick, the bridge is whiter than the, than the little river that kind of goes through it. And I wouldn't even call it a, con, uh, consider it a river. It's more like a stream. So let's just call it a stream, a little stream, but then there's, you know, like shrubbery and bushes along the side. And even like, it looks like a pathway. I saw like, lots. Are, of how are these dogs surviving? Are their legs all broken? Yeah. Yeah. They're pretty, okay. they're pretty injured. They're um, not walking away. No, they're, because they're, I don't even know if you could jump off a bridge if there was a full river underneath and still survive. Could you, if it was 70 feet as I a person? That's a good question. Okay. I don't know this. I don't know. But, um, so people have been very concerned, obviously. Why are these dogs just leaping off bridges? They don't leap off bridges elsewhere. Right. Yeah, so it's really weird. There's, <clears throat> so I started looking at it and Paul Owens wrote a book about this Victorian bridge. And I watched a YouTube video from Vice and they gave all these different reasons why potentially these dogs are jumping off this bridge. So some of them are maybe there's an optical illusion. Oh, by the way, I should note all the dogs jump off the same location in the middle of the bridge. There's like, um, so the bridge is straight, but in the middle, it kind of, um, curves out. There's like a little curved area. Yeah. And so they always jump in that particular location. Would that be like a lookout area? It's yeah, kind of a little lookout, okay. like a little niche on each side. So you can look out and it's in the middle. So you can look out both sides and everything. They, so they always jump off that portion. So some people were saying, okay, maybe there's an optical illusion that they think there's mm -hmm. ground on the other side, which I have a hard time believing that, but they did hook up a dog with a GoPro to see like what perspective the dog could see. They even brought yeah. a psychic in, which you and I will appreciate. Mm -hmm. Um, the second idea that they threw out was, and that a lot of people talk about is the ghost of Lady Overton. Okay. So I told you about her castle. Yeah. Looks over the bridge. People say that she basically seduces these dogs into jumping over. So they get over there and she's like talking to them, telling them they need to jump uh, or that they're in a trance. And they also talk about her castle being haunted. And they did a story separately that I saw where they interviewed the people that live there. And they're actually Americans, which is kind of weird. I think I, I wanted to tell you this later in the story, but it's okay. I, I diverge. Um, yeah, they're Texan. Yeah, they're from Texas and they're pastors. And they bought the house 20 years ago. And when the person says, you know, have you seen angels here? They're like, or ha no, have is the house haunted? And they're like, no, it's not haunted. And they said, okay, well, have you seen angels? Oh yeah, we've seen angels here. We've seen angels here. We've seen angels here, you know, in all these different parts of this castle, but the house isn't haunted. No, it's not haunted. <laughs> so I was like, oh, well, your definition of haunted, my definition of, of that kind of is different. Cause I understand what they're saying. Haunted being mean, yeah. I think. Yeah. But clearly there's some paranormal stuff going on in this house. Yeah. So that kind of falls in line with maybe there's something about that. Um, the other, one of the other, um, things that were thrown out is that they're all typically long nosed dogs. So collies, Labrador retriever or, uh, yeah, Labrador retrievers, um, uh, golden retrievers, those kinds of dogs. 
And so one of the things was, well, maybe there's a certain smell of mice or minks, which I did not know what a minx was, um, down below that they smell. And so they decide to jump over it, not really realizing there's a drop, which I still don't buy that. Um, but I watched another video, of course, where they actually did, there's actually a documentary. That was what it was. It was a documentary on the science channel where they actually put out different smells for dogs and dogs overwhelmingly went to the minks smell. But in my mind, there's a big difference between them, like letting them out to smell three different smells and them jumping over a bridge. Yeah. Like, I don't see how that proved anything other than, yeah, they like the smell of other animals and they're going to go check it out, but it doesn't mean they jump off a bridge for it. I can't even get my dog to jump in the car. Uh, thank you. Like, thank I don't, I don't know. My dog would never just leap over a, like, she barely can get up on the sofa. I don't know. Well, I think these are a little more agile. Yeah, dogs. I mean, they probably are, but yeah. <laughs> do they think- normally just go and jump off of things? In general, or I mean, I think it's very strange that they all go for the same spot. There has to be something that they're either seeing or. Well, and the interesting thing was a lot of them say that they don't even hit the bridge. Like they don't touch the bridge. They literally leap. And my dog actually is a leaper. It's so interesting to watch her, but she will leap for her food when you feed her. And she's six now, but she will literally all four feet come off of the ground So she definitely would be that leaper dog, but these dogs like full force, they don't jump on the side of the bridge and then jump off. Don't be confused by that. They full on leap over this bridge, which is weird, right? So the, the, um, regular dogs, especially these long snout dogs have a hundred times stronger smelling ability. So one, one of that theory was that they are smelling this super smell and jump, jump off it. They also had a psychic, a dog psychic come in and she, um, believes that the rush of wind that whistles through at a high frequency, that maybe the dogs hear that and that makes them want to jump. But I don't really, I don't know how that works. Like that's beyond me to understand that one either. Yeah. Um, others believe that maybe the sound of the water makes them want to jump. But okay. again, I mean, I've walked over a bridge with my dog off a leash a bazillion times and she's not even interested in jumping off of it. I, I don't know. Um, the other scenario was that maybe owners are throwing their dogs off the bridge, but that doesn't seem to really hold water either because these are people who are devastated, who spent thousands of dollars at the vet then to get their dogs fixed up. So that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. There's also, which I never, they never expanded on this one, that there's submarine sonar in that area. So it must be close to the ocean, but that somehow these dogs are hearing the sub, submarine sonar. Hmm. Yeah, well, I don't know. I know. So weird. So they had, sp- they had talked about the certain dogs, um, that jumped. And, um, in 1995, a dog jumped 2002, a dog jumped 2011. Um, Sophie, the Labrador jumped and they were all long snouted dogs. 
but there was a big push by people to get the parliament to request to put up a sign. So they have finally now installed a sign that basically says, you know, keep your dog on a leash because it may want to jump off. So at the very end of this uh, bridge is this castle, right? Yes. Why are all these people bringing their dogs over there? I think, it, well, it's it's like through town. So it's very okay. much like a bridge that you'd be walking. It's just not know, like the house is at the end of the bridge and there's no. nothing else on the other side of it. It actually goes other places. Yeah, it actually continues on. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, Dr. Sands did a documentary, and that was what I was referring to. And he concluded that the smell of minks um, was his his thought as to why these dogs would jump. But I still, I, I'm not too sure. But the psychic, basically, there was nothing really of interest from her discussion because she put a dog on a leash and she walked the dog over and the dog was apparently talking to her and basically saying, no, I don't hear anything. You know, I mean, I think there's what did I say? 50 dogs jumped to their death and 600 dog. Yeah. 600 dogs in 70 years and 50 of those died. So it's not like it's happening every day. The, the kind of, the environment has to be right. Right. Yeah. And I think just taking a psychic, you know, a dog over with a psychic once is probably not going to, not going to get it, you know? Um, so anyways, I thought that was totally interesting, but talking about very strange, yes. the deer, I did then kind of get down the rabbit hole, um, of looking at this deer thing. And that just seems like, okay, that happens all over the place. And you know how deer leap it's that yeah. same thing where they get scared by the oncoming traffic and the bright lights. And so they just leap and they don't necessarily ever look to see what's over there. That's not in their behavior. Their behavior is just to leap over something and they then fall to their death because they don't really realize what a bridge is. I learned about this a long time ago when I was in beauty school and like, I don't know, 1995. Okay. There was a girl that I went to beauty school with and she worked at Red Lobster and she had told me about this story. And I thought, Oh, it's kind of weird. You know, of course I love that kind of stuff, but I, you know, we didn't have the internet like we do now to really research that stuff. And, um, you know, at that time I was just in beauty school, so I didn't really think of it. But then I was, for some reason, I thought about this more recently looking, thinking about local stories and, so I did a little digging and according to the realcult.com website, um, I got most of my information from that website along with um, various other ones from the Washington Post, from Pamphlet Media, for morelaw.com. I'm just telling you for all my resources right now. Yeah. And um, there's even an episode on Dateline. And uh, let's see. All right. Um, that is where I got most of my information. So basically, there was a girl, but her name is Linda Stangle. And um, she was a hostess at Red Lobster right by Washington Square. She was dating David Wall, who was a waiter at Red Lobster at Washington Square. And um, they met in the fall of 1994. And my friend also was a waitress at the Red Lobster during that time and knew both of them. 
And I think like when I worked at Winkers, a lot of people after their shift would go and drink after work and party until the bars closed. I didn't do that because I'm not a drinker, but I knew a lot of people who had done that. So I think after their shift, then their shifts don't get over. You know, they get over at like 11 because it's a restaurant or 12 maybe at the latest where bars are still open to like two or three. So I think it was common for them to go party all night long. And they're like young. I think she was 21 and I think he was 27. Well, there's two different pages. One says she's 21. Another one says she's 23. So let's just say she's 23. He was 27, a little bit older, but I think they drank a lot. And I think in that they also fought a lot. But they lived with his parents um, in their house. And it sounded like they lived at, at, at their house. And at one point, maybe they moved to a new house where there was like a cottage next to the house. But that nonetheless, they lived on the parents' property. Um, and so after one night of drinking after work, um, it sounded like um, they were out all night. And in the middle of the night, they're like, let's go to the beach. And so they get into his van and they drive to the beach, which I'm sure he was drinking and probably shouldn't have been driving. I don't know those answers, but when they get to the beach, they first, they go to, um, and it sounds like this is early morning. Now they went to, uh, I think seaside and like hung out, played around. Then they ended up going to Ecola. Yeah. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Um, which uh, is near Canada Beach. Yeah. Yes. And um, apparently um, she didn't want to get out. She doesn't like heights. This is like November. It is cold. He's not dressed for the weather. So he's like, I'm going to go for like a 10 minute walk. And according to her, he went, um, he didn't come back. So she fell asleep in the car. When she woke up, she's mad because a few some time has passed. She's cold. She doesn't know where he is. He left the keys in the van. So she decides to drive home and just leaves him. What? Apparently, you know, they, they drink a lot and they fought a lot. And she figured, oh, once I get home, maybe he'll leave me a message and be, he'll be mad at me. But she drove his van back to, to his parents' house. No. Went in there. Liar, liar, um, pants on fire. She then, she then calls. Um, well, first thing she says is she checked her her the the answering machine. Um, we had those back then. We don't have them most likely now, unless you have grandparents that have them. But she checked the machine. There was no message from him. She calls her sister and tells her what had happened. And apparently, the sister's like, "You need to call nine one one." So she calls nine one one and then calls his mom. But this is like hours later after she even drove all the way home. Um, she didn't look for him there. And then um, her mom was worried about like her mental state of him being gone and her being here in Oregon. So her mom's like, hey, come back home. So they're from she is from Minnesota. And so what? after a week of him missing, she flies back to Minnesota to be um, to go back home and to move there. But she didn't um, go with just her stuff. She took some of his. What? Um, yeah, all kind of strange. Um, so then uh, I think, so David Wall is the man who's missing at this point. And um, so how did this go? 
sorry, in that week before she had left, there was a search for like four days and she didn't go for the first couple. There were dogs. There were all these volunteer people up in those cliffs up there in Ecola. I've never, I don't remember seeing those, but they did find his, yeah, they found um, his empty beer can because she did say he popped up in a beer can and, um, you know, had gone for his walk. So they did find that can, but they found nothing else. There was nothing. There were dogs, there were helicopters, there were people over the place, um, never found anything. I think by the third day, they caught, they got her to go back down there. And all she did was sit on the rail at the base and was like, I'm scared of heights. I'm not going up there. And she just stared into space is what they were saying, according to one of the websites. Not crying, not anything, just staring into space, but not helping at all. Meanwhile, everybody is searching. By day four, they've decided even if he was out here, he wouldn't be alive because of the elements and how cold it is at the beach at that time. And considering what he had, you know, somebody would have found him by now. So then, you know, jump forward a couple more days because of all of this, her mom talks her to coming back home. So she flies back to Minnesota. So one of David's sisters, which I couldn't find her name, um, called her and said, listen, we're having a memorial for him. We would love for you to come to it. I will buy your plane ticket. So she flies here. And what it sounds like is when she got here, detectives wanted to question her. And she was like, "Okay, you know, no big deal. They take her out to the trailhead of this cliffside all the way out at the beach. And she immediately just starts crying. And they're like, this must have sparked something like what's going on here. And um, so they get her to climb up this cliffside. And right at this one lookout area, um, she claims that he fake pushed her, put her his hand on her stomach and one on her back and kind of pretended like he was going to push her, but he had his hand on her, that she was so angry. She turned around and pushed him where he slipped and fell 340 feet to the base into the ocean. Now they get her back to the hotel, but then they, when they call into their people to let them know that she had confessed, they're like, well, did you read her, her Miranda rights? And they had not. So then they go back to the hotel with a recording. They re they read her, her rights again. And she retells the story exactly the same way she had done up above. But now, um, and she's, she's recanted, recant not recanted she's retold the story three times it all matched every single time she gets a lawyer and he basically is saying okay stop talking to them and um the only reason why she confessed was because she was forced to because she's so scared of heights that um the only way to get out of the situation was to tell this lie to tell this story to get her off the cliffside however when they were back at the hotel and she was read her miranda rights she was no longer at that cliffside she could have said at that point i made that whole thing up Right. I, that none, none of that happened. And uh, which is what she was saying when she went to court, that basically the police had forced her into this confession. But she willingly said it on tape back at the hotel afterwards. Right. Yeah. So none of that made sense. But she's claiming that it didn't happen. She stayed in the car. He left. It makes more sense her actual story of going up to this cliffside, she pushing him back because they had this volatile relationship where they drank a lot and then right. would get into these fights. And it doesn't sound like the first time they've had this fight. It sounded like maybe he was thinking, um, 
maybe they shouldn't be together anymore. She, so the family, the case was actually closed right from the very beginning, ruling it suicide. And then this whole story came about. So then they, the mother was able, her name is Bev was able to reopen in the case. That's how they get her to come back. She confesses this other story, which makes more sense. Um, which is just super tragic because she almost got away with it, you know, and if had she just kept to that story, none of this would have happened. She only spent six years in prison for this crime. She got, I think manslaughter too for it. It was an accident. Um, supposedly, uh, and I believe it probably was out of being mad. She pushes him back, not realizing she's going to push him all the way down. But she got six years and three months. She also had nine major violations while in prison for several for intimate contact. Um, Ooh, and she, she was, got she was uh, what is it called? Gay, uh, gay for the stay. She was I don't know what she was doing, but she uh <laughs> It sounded like, well, and then you kind of go back to some of these old posts and people had um, put on different um, forums that she was kind of crazy. You know, she's 23. I probably would have been put into that category as well. You know, just drinking a lot and partying a lot and kind of out there. And I think that, yeah. And then, you know, you get um, drunk and you go out to the beach and then you go up to this heights and you're not really comfortable anyway. And they fake punch pushes you and you turn around and you push them off this cliff. Well, so what had happened was um, they still didn't know where he was. About six months later, a headless body washes ashore in Washington, but they didn't know who he was. There was no tattoos. There were no nothing. And because the water had been, the body had been in water, they had to take the skin off the hand in order to get a partial, um, print and then eventually partial um jawbone had washed up also on that same shore and they were able to identify him through the partial um, fingerprint and through the dental records of that jawbone so they were able to actually identify david like six months after this whole thing um being that he was pushed into the water and it took that long for him to get to where he was so they did eventually find him he was I think buried up in Washington in an unmarked grave for a while, but then he was able to be given a name later. Oh my God. And, um, but it was weird because I knew the girl who knew these people and I did, um, contact her. You knew the the man, the boy, the guy and the girlfriend. No, I knew a girl that worked with both of them. Oh, okay. And I remember her telling me the story and, you know, I graduated in 95. I think that, it was December 31st, 1995, right? Going into 1996. And all of this happened right around that same time because, so this happened in December, 1995. I actually vaguely remember all this. Yeah. And I remember her saying that, you know, he'd gone missing, they were fighting. So, but my, I just remember the story and I remember the red lobster. I knew that she worked with them, but then when I um, found her on Facebook, she's like, it happened so long ago. And she says, I have such a bad memory. I wouldn't know anything. And I just said, well, I just wanted to kind of know who these people were. Like I wanted to know who David was and I wanted to know who, um, this Linda girl was before all of this had happened. Um, she was the next cheerleader. She was extremely popular from her hometown. Where um, was she, she from? Sounded, well, I know that she moved back to. She was from Minnesota. She wasn't yeah. from here. Okay. No, no. Yeah. Was she he was from, from here. Yeah. He's from Tualatin. Really? Yeah. Wow. What was his name again? 
His name is David Wall. Day, uh, sorry, David, and then W A H L. But I mean, she did confess, but then she recanted. What do you think? I mean, did she do it? Like, could okay? Let's just say, let's just say she didn't confess. Is it possible that they have this volatile, volatile? Oh, and I do have to mention, she grew up in a, a a home where the father would leave for hours, maybe a day or two, um, and just disappear. So could she have been like, well? F him. He took off. I'm going to just leave. Would you leave somebody two hours away? Well, that's the thing. No. In their their own car? They that, have they have no that, money. His wallet was in the car. Like, no, that's that's the thing. I think, you know, either she did it on accident. I'm not saying she didn't do it on accident, but I, I, I would say either she did it on purpose and freaked out, or it was an accident and she freaked out and just went home. But there's no way that there's no way she wasn't involved in the pushing because obviously she admitted it twice to, or at least twice. Um, but that whole story, you don't leave somebody that, that far away that, I mean, and by the way, just for our listeners from the beach to Portland or from to Beaverton, even this isn't like, um, two hours of heavy populated area. This is like, there's a mountain range between these two things. So yeah. this isn't, you know, oh, he can find his way home easily. This is, this well, is- I do have a friend who um, just recently helped another friend move from California and they were probably three hours away and he was getting super angry in the car and she's like, F this, I'm out. She gets out of the car and he leaves. Well, she's like, leave. I don't want to be here with you. Right. And she was able to call her dad to come pick her up. But, he, you know, the, now the dad has to drive six hours, three to get her, three to come home. Right. But he wasn't missing. She wasn't missing. Like, we still know who yeah. these players are. But I know people do get angry and they leave. They get out of cars. Especially when I know this just happened a few months ago. Yeah. So is it but would you leave in their own car? Like, let's just say she left him there and she took his car. That would be weird. She knew he wasn't dressed for the for that yeah. the weather. The whole she has thing. all his stuff. He doesn't even have his wallet. She's got his wallet. So how is okay. he going to even do anything? So I have never done anything that horrible, but I will tell you when you do things that, you know, you go, "Oh my gosh, I did that. I, I it was a total accident, whatever." You do not leave and then, you know, move back to Michigan and like, no, that, that is. You do to get away from that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. If you did something horribly wrong. No, that is just way too suspicious. Her, her actions afterwards were not at all. Okay. And there's so many people out there who believe that, um, she wasn't involved and, what? You know, she claims that that fake push happened earlier on, like at the beach. So like, let's just say you're at seaside and you fake push. It's not yeah. even scary because you're not anywhere where it would be scary, right? right? You're, you're just on the beach. So it makes more sense to me that he did fake push her. She turns around angry, pushes him and he loses his footing, which is kind of right. what her story said. And the three times that you say the same story and it doesn't change, yeah. then you have to think, okay, maybe... That did really that happen. If I'm giving her the benefit of the doubt, she accidentally yeah. pushed him off or he lost his footing or whatever. Um, and, you know, tripped more than she thought he was going to. Like, I totally can buy that. Yeah. But the fact that um, if, if she tries to recant that in any way, she definitely did it, whether accident or not. And her yeah. actions afterwards 
tell me that she wasn't willing to face up to it and go, yeah, I mean, I would have like, had I seen him fall, there's no one around. Yes. I can see getting in the car and driving down to town and getting help. Right. 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 You wouldn't leave somebody. You would want to find them. Exactly. Or you'd want to go get them or get even, even if you knew, oh my God, there's no way he could have survived that fall. Right. Like I would figure out how to get down there or like check on them or something like, well, if she's afraid of heights and that area, there are some steep cliffs. I don't know where this happened, but even if it was an accident, would you just go home? You would find somebody to help you at least recover the body for the family or something. That's why I'm saying the fact that she did what she did afterwards tells me that it wasn't so much of an accident as she'd like to claim it is. They did end up finding a guy named Richard Offshay. He was an expert in mind control and was the best witness for this case because he was claiming that he knew um, because of the mind control that um, he claims that police are so tricky that they can routinely coerce people to give them voluntary, like false confessions, basically. Okay, I do he agree. He was paid five thousand dollars a day to testify, and he was there for quite a while. At least, you know, it said the fourteenth through the seventeenth, so he made a good fifteen thousand dollars. But he is not a not a psychologist. He's he doesn't even study psychology or have any training whatsoever in that. He just happens to be somebody who um, has trained under a, a person who is um, in that but okay so I get that I get people do do. do that to get out of that situation but for her to be now back at the hotel not even on the cliffside and to recant that same story that's when I don't buy it because once you're back in the hotel would you be like I just said that to get you get me off that cliff well okay so did you watch making of murder um some of it Okay. Yeah, that was, but he was special needs, wasn't he? Yeah, but it happens to a lot of people. There's, there's a lot of evidence that says that even, even people of full mental capacity can be coerced into false confessions. It happens all the time. So like, this is a highly accepted, um, at least in my opinion, from what I've seen scenario that can happen. The thing is with her story that I, that just doesn't hold water for me is her actions afterwards. If, if she had done all the right things or all the things that a normal person would do going, oh my gosh, oh shit, you know, this has just happened. She wouldn't have got in the car, driven two hours. What else? You said something he, oh, she took his stuff as well as her stuff and moved back to her hometown of Michigan like, but in between, she also went back to the scene and then started crying when she was with the investigators, but not when she was with the family. Yeah, no, you you wouldn't. No, I don't buy any of that. The, but what kind of person could do that? Well, I think we, I, I could see her doing it on accident. I think that I've seen enough relationships. Even if it was an accident, could you, like, would a... Like, what kind of state of mind would you be in, even if it was an accident, to get in their car, drive home, not call 911 right away, check the voicemail. So this is the other thing. And she's never changed the story. As soon as she got home, she checked the voicemail. Like, even when she said he had been in this accident, she came home and checked the voicemail. Like, listen, like, had he survived from it? Is she looking for that? Like, that was one thing that was always like, well, that's weird. Why did she do that? And 
either one of the stories, whether she it was an accident or that never really happened, she checked the voicemail. Like why would, or do you just check the voicemail a minute when you walk in the door naturally you, anyway? Yeah. I think you just check your voicemail. I, I mean, the, if that blinking light was on, we always checked it. We didn't walk yeah. past it. Cause remember it was right by, you know, the, there was like always a prominent phone area. Right. And you, yeah, you always just, that's the first thing you did was check your, check your messages. And there was talk about like him maybe separating and not because the relationship wasn't working that she would right. be going back home anyway. Was she mad that he didn't want to be with her anymore? But then there was a, one of the web websites said that she was the one that wanted to not be together anymore and she wanted to go back home. So we don't have his side of the story to know who it didn't matter at this point, but, but why would you call your sister first? Then you call nine one and then you call the mother. Yeah. What did the sister say? Um, she said, you need to call nine one one is what it sounded like. What did the family say about her relationship with him? Um, they know they could hear them fighting and they just knew that they were, they were heavy partying yeah. and just having like a good time. They were in their twenties, just living the life, you know, your servers, you make enough money, you drink the next day. You're not making enough to move out on your own. <laughs> you know, you live with yeah. your girlfriend at your parents' house and, I think they were just having fun. I was watching, um, actually, I don't know if it was watching now that I say that. I think it was just a website from Mental Floss. Six weird animal phenomenon investigated by science. And I don't think I wrote them all down because I didn't think they were all so weird. But <laughs> I thought I would add to you a few of the weird things. Yeah. One is exploding toads in Germany. Ew. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> in April of 2005 in Hamburg, Germany, thousands of frogs blew apart over a period of few, few days. Ew. Yeah. Disgusting. Like spontaneous combustion. Well, so this was the question. What is causing? Is it spontaneous combustion? Like what is happening? Why are these frogs just all exploding and when it when you see and listen to what people say about this exploding frog which by the way they use frog and toad in the same sentence and i thought there was a difference between frog and toads i think there are but i don't know what they are and then i thought well maybe in germany they don't have a distinction i don't know but i'm pretty sure that toads are big and frogs are small yeah and maybe they just grouped them together because it was happening to both i don't know yeah, I don't know. Good question. Yeah. I th I think they were all the same type of frog slash toad, but Gross. I do not know. So this is what they believe. They believe that a flock of crows that had recently taken um taken up in Hamburg was likely um swooping down to these toads and like poking into their stomachs to get their livers. And in doing so, you know, a toad will puff up when it's in danger. Yeah. And before it would know it, the crow had already gotten its liver and it would puff and then it would spill its guts out the hole. Mm. So nobody actually saw the frog explode. No. It, they just found them all exploded. Yes. Dr. Franz Mutschensmann. <laughs> A vet from Berlin believes these crows would swoop down, 
pierce the toad, getting the liver before the toad realized it, and then the toad would puff up, spilling their intestines outside their body. Okay, so here's here's the last one. I think we covered okay. um, we covered the exploding to- toads. Which what do you think about that? Do you think it's the birds? I mean, and I don't. I would hope that it was something like that versus the toads are just exploding for no reason. I have no idea. Like maybe somebody gave them Mentos. Oh, <laughs> and like Coke, Alka Seltzer, or, or something weird. Like. Um, I don't know, but I would like to explore the spontaneous combustion just in people on a future episode because that's also very strange. What? People spontaneously combust? Oh my God, Melissa. Yes. What? There are some crazy stories. I cannot even believe you're not like that. You don't know what I'm talking about right now. I do not know what you're talking about. I am really shocked. Come on. No, people combust? There have been stories where like a person, they'll have a picture of a person. The whole chair is completely, there's like a hole in it where the person was and their feet are still in the shoes, but there's no body left. What? Go. Okay. When we get off this call, you look it up or look it up right now while we're sitting here. Is that fake? No. uh, It has happened more than once. I think they also say like somebody who's like a heavy drinker and then they smoke or something along those lines. But I, but who knows exactly? Just look into it in a little bit. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Get ready for this. Okay. In 1945, a farmer named by the name of Lloyd Olson decapitated his chicken for dinner that night, but the chicken did not die. Hey, It lived and it started walking around and they continued to keep this, this chicken because they were like, oh my gosh, this chicken didn't die. You know, this is weird. This is crazy. They continued to feed and water him with an eyedropper inserted into his neck hole. Ew. Yes. So then, yes, this is what I said. I was like, what? Okay. Wouldn't there have been blood? Like, wouldn't he have lost so much blood? Like, how does this work? Like, I don't know. No, no. They continued to keep him as like a family pet. And they took him on the road as Mike, the headless chicken. What? Yes. He didn't need a brain. Apparently not. I do not know this. I mean, did he sleep? Like, how did he know? Okay, so here's the deal. How did he not bleed to death? Like, there was just like a Thank hole you. in the top of his neck? Yeah, or did it just heal? Like, I how don't know. How long I, did he live for? Okay, so they didn't actually say how long he lived for, but they did take him on the road as the headless chicken. And a scientist, they let a scientist from University of Utah, um, in, you know, like take a look at him. And he found that um, the farmer had missed the brain stem. Which still doesn't make any sense to me because, okay, does the chicken not have a brain in its head? The brain stem is his head. Like, I'm a little confused. But like, doesn't the brain like send all like the different signals to the different parts of the body to work? Yeah, through the brain stem. So your brain and then it's connected to the brain stem and then it goes to the body, right? Well, apparently, I know that they say chickens are really stupid, but really. Yeah. Okay, let me just tell you, we were. We were watching like the worst cooks in America, you Uh know, that competition show. Mm -hmm. They had to like chop up like walnuts or something. I don't remember what it was, but the guy had a hammer and he calls it a chicken killer. Oh, 
Like instead of saying, oh, it's a hammer or whatever, the, a mallet that you yeah. would use in the kitchen. He's like, oh, I know what this is. It's a chicken killer. <laughs> we were both like, gross. Whatever. Um, okay. That's really weird. So the eyedropper down the chicken hole. Yes. Okay. Now here's the thing. Do you want to know why he finally died? Why? Wait for it. Because you can't live on water? Wait for it. No, no. It was food and water. They would feed and water him through this eyedropper. They lost the eyedropper. Shut up. (laughs) This is not a true story. (laughs) You're kidding me, right? This is a bad joke. I am not kidding you. I fall on. You can't go buy another eyedropper or a spoon or something? That is so dumb. Is that true? I do not know. I swear to you. Okay. This is one of those (laughs) things where our listeners need to get involved because. (laughs) What? I swear to you. That long anyway, but. I mean, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Anyway, I don't know if you, have you actually watched. I drop her in the top of the hole. So it's always there. (laughs) Store the eyedropper in the hole. You just like keep it as a cap on the top of the neck. <laughs> that is so gross. <laughs> but my whole thing was first of all. When I read it, I was like, "Wait, where did he get an eyedropper?" I literally thought that it was 1945. You just got an eyedropper you know, running around. Right. And then That's like, so weird. the end of the story is the chicken died because he lost the eyedropper. I'm like, dude, if you got the first eyedropper, get another eyedropper. That, I mean, it was probably glass back then. Right. Like, but, yeah, still, but so go to the apothecary. Right. Or the pharmacy or the doctor. <laughs> or just drip some water off of a spoon down the hole. <laughs> I think maybe like they were up a worm and spit it down there. I don't know. <laughs> Gross. That is so weird. Okay, I'm glad you appreciate the the ending of the story. Is there a picture with this story? Because I'm there is. See this... All right, you need to text it to me. There That's is. Gross. There is. That is the picture. weirdest story ever. <laughs> I want to share with you one of my go-to pieces of clothing during this stay-at-home order. I have literally been living 24-7 in shorts or leggings and, of course, my favorite sports bra. I've been wearing this sports bra since it was created, but I wanted to share with our listeners and give you a discount code. I'm so excited. I only wear handful bras, and that's handful.com because they are so comfortable and easy to wear. They also flatter, not flatten, if you know what I mean. They come in adorable colors and patterns, so you can wear them with anything. Through the summer, I'm always in a handful. My new favorite design of theirs is the double down bra, but I have all the styles and the leggings, and I love their leggings. They're wonderful. So I wanted to share with you, go to handful.com and use the code Salon Sleuths. It's spelled S-A-L-O-N-S-L-E-U-T-H-S. You're going to get 25% off any one item on their entire site, including sale items. 
So I encourage you, check it out. You will literally not be sorry. The adjustable bra, for those of you who may be long torsoed or long or short, whatever, you can adjust it to where you fit. Love them, love them, love them. Get yourself one. If you'd like to be on our show and ask Suzanne a question or two about your career, your love life, or family, please contact us on our website at www.salonsluce.com. We take calls the first Monday of the month for a full appointment with Suzanne. Go to her website. Thank you.